You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Our Heavenly Father, today of all days, our hearts are full of joy and thanksgiving, and it's a privilege to gather as church. Lord, as we open your word, we discuss out of scripture. We ask, Father, for an anointing to teach, to hear, to preach. We ask, Lord, that you would strengthen someone, you would encourage someone. You know where everyone in this service is. You know who's come doubting, who's come sick, who's come weak. Our Father, we ask no man will leave here the same. We thank you, Holy Spirit. God's people shout a big amen. A big amen. Let's put our hands together and celebrate Jesus. Okay. So I was so well behaved. So I only sang for like one minute. Okay. Um, but happy, happy Easter, happy Easter. Uh, so this is this is our day. This is our day. Uh, we thank everyone who's worshiping with us, uh, perhaps for the first time today. Uh, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Could we put our hands together and celebrate anyone who's who's worshiping with us for the first time? We thank you so much for coming. Um, um, want to also thank everyone. These lights are beautiful. I just worry. Yeah, that if I get very excited, right? But I want to thank everyone who, um, over the last 40 days, uh, heeded the call to wait on God. Uh, you know, uh, so the fast ended yesterday. Uh, um, we, thank, <laughs> we thank God. And um, se- seven more days. Shall I, no problem to you. Just go right ahead, okay? <laughs> but... Um, I was saying to someone yesterday when, as we were praying, I felt the fast has ended, but for someone, you've not finished waiting on God. All right. So for, for everybody, we, we prayed as a leadership team yesterday. We broke together, and we began to say, Father, there is a blessing upon this house. And it didn't matter whether you had fasted or not fasted. We're trusting God that you would come into a season of supernatural favor, that you would come into a season of open heavens. All right. Um, and for those of you who fasted, those of us who fasted, the certain habits you picked up along the way, you spent a bit more time praying, spent a bit more time looking at scripture, you were nicer to people in traffic, you let people pass you by, you didn't take offense. I remember once or twice during the 40 days, someone would do something and I would just react in a particular way, which is different from the way I would have reacted in the past, which is not a bad way like that, but, you know, I, then I'll say, my God, I'm really fasting, okay? So this is what Josh just told me, I'm really fasting. So I'm going to try and keep all that. All right? We'll try and keep on. We trust God uh, for, for better things ahead. We will fast again. As a church, we fast every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Don't look surprised. Every Wednesday we fast. Okay? So we're starting on Wednesday again. One day. We fast, you know, morning till night. And there are benefits of fasting and praying. Okay? Even the child agrees. <laughs> um, so we fast. And then maybe, maybe again, who knows? We may do another 40 days uh, later, later in the year. <laughs> What do they call people that like pain? <laughs> yeah. All right. But this is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I've tried, I've tried to prepare for Easter this year by studying about the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was Miles Monroe who once said that when the purpose of a thing is not understood, that abuse is inevitable. All right? And I was... I was looking to confirm that I understood the purpose and significance of Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, because they form, they're the fulcrum of our Christian faith. They're the very center of the faith. 
this, this is it. Okay? Um, so I realized that I had a lot of clarity about why Jesus died. A lot of clarity about why Jesus. I was very clear in my mind about why Jesus died. But I wasn't very sure, you know, two weeks, I was like, but why was he raised again? As in, you know, why did he, what was the point of the resurrection? And, and so that's what I would like us to look at today. So this is, you know, so help me ask your neighbor, why was Jesus raised from the dead? You didn't ask them, probably. So look at the other neighbor. Just the other, this is 50 marks. Why was Jesus raised from the dead? And put 50 marks beside, 50 marks. And I don't know if, like me, you know, whenever you went into an exam hall when you were in the university, one of the things you did, and I'm not one of those stars, one of the things you did was just, you kind of went through all the questions in a hurry to see if the lottery you played came through. You just wanted to make sure. And the one thing you didn't want to see was the first question. It said compulsory. Answer this question one and any other three. And then question one was the one question that you did not really look at because you felt you were led. <laughs> or you just had permitted, you just have, you were lazy. Just. So this is it. Why was Jesus raised from the dead? Let's read out of First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 8. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas and by the twelve. And that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then all, by all the apostles. Then last of all by me, but he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. Um, I'll read to you here in Acts chapter 2, verse 24 to 28. Uh, if you let me, I'll read in the Amplified Translation. But God raised him, speaking about Jesus, releasing him and bringing an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in death's power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord constantly before me, for he's at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken from my state of security. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue exalted exceedingly. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope that, is, that will encamp in anticipation of the resurrection. For you will not forsake me and abandon my soul to hate the realm of the dead. Nor let your Holy One undergo decay after death. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will fill me, infusing my soul with joy with your presence. May God bless the reading of his word. Help me ask the person next to you. This is serious. Let's ask them, why did Jesus rise from the dead? Why was he raised from the dead? Why? Why? Just give them 20 seconds to give you an answer. Why was he raised from the dead? Why? Why was he raised from the dead? Someone says, you first. So why was he raised from the dead? Why? Someone says, so I can be happy. Why was he raised from the dead? Someone's saying, don't talk to me at all. I didn't come to church for this. But why was Jesus raised from the dead? I think one thing that is particularly striking for me as putting myself in the shoes of the disciples um, yesterday, Friday, yesterday how did the disciples feel after Jesus' death? 
Because everything they had staked their life on. I don't know if it's ever happened to you before. You know, maybe you voted PDP. You campaigned. Your Twitter handle, you turned it PDP, put the colors in. And PDP has got the, no, they don't have the broom. They've got an umbrella. You bought umbrellas, everything. And then they announced the results. APC. Or vice versa, as the case might be. Or APGA, if you live down there. And there's just a flood of hopelessness the next day. Because you, you first wonder, how, how will I go out? What will I, t you, know, if you, were, you know how you argued, even when we argued about Trump and Clinton, you know how you felt the next day if you were a Clinton supporter? Or to bring it home to some of you, you're an Arsenal fan. That's a bit too far, but let's, let's, but you know, you're familiar with hopelessness. <laughs> you know the feeling, you know, you know the feeling. You're like, ah, beginning of the season, oh, we're going to beat, ah, we bought two players, two, two players. You know, and the, the guys in, in, in Arsenal are wondering, who is we? We didn't buy no players, we're not with you. But you're like, we bought two players, we're this is our season. Then, two weeks into the season, you already just start feeling and, and so you're in good company because Peter, John, James, everything they had staked their reputation on had been nailed to the cross. Their finances, they had left their jobs. All their future plans, they, have, they had left family. I'm going with the Messiah. Don't you, did you hear? I'm among the 12. We're the ones that understand, par the parable he told you guys the other day, he, you know, on Twitter. Where we go, but he explained it to us, the parable of the sower. He, oh, you don't know it. Oh, don't worry, I'll tell you later. You know, their whole life's work, even their faith in God, for some of them, even their dinner, because he was, he was everything to them. And then, so imagine how yesterday was for, for the disciples. What, what will they do next? You know, Peter is saying, I don't even know where my nets are. I, I don't know. You know, the market has moved on. So we think that we are happy, on Easter Sunday, I don't think our emotions are anything like the disciples would have felt 2018-ish years ago. Because people who had been crying suddenly become happy. They're relieved, but a bit still confused, you know, because they've been hopeless. Now they're hopeful, you know, but it seems like they can start all over again. You know, when they asked you, and I don't think they do it anymore, but in those days, not so far away, not that old, but in those days, one of the things they would ask you to do in, uh, in English, or whatever they call that subject then, is like, write an essay on the day I will never forget. But they don't do it anymore, you know. Okay, they do it. Okay. <laughs> but, for, but for the disciples, that was a day they will never forget. Because, uh, you see, God is a God of hope. God is a God of hope. Romans 15 and verse 13, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Why? It says that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is a God of hope. That is one of the things he does as a hobby. It's, not, it's his lifestyle. He restores hope. During the week, I got that phrase in my heart. 
that Jesus is a merchant of hope. He died for our sins. Look, he's the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. John 1, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sins of the world. Read Revelation 13, I think verse 8. He says, This is the Lamb of God that was slain even before the foundations of the world. So God begins the redemptive plan of our lives even before we were born. Before your father saw your mother and said to her, Hi, Falake, would you go out with me? Could we make a baby and call him Tolu? They did not understand that God had already set the plan in place for your redemption. Help me tell the person next to you, God is a God of hope. God is a God of hope. God is a God of hope. God constantly raises from the dead. You read through scripture. And I know there are people here, today perhaps you don't have a walk with God, you just came because it's Easter Sunday. But, but I would like to talk to you about our God. He's, he loves to bring things out of the dead. Our father Abraham, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, but it was as if he received Isaac back from the dead because he concluded that God could raise him up from the dead. Hebrews 11 and 19. God raises a whole country, a whole nation, Israel, out of a grave that they had been in for 430 years. He brings them out of Egypt. He calls Moses out of a grave of exile. Moses is retired from a useful life. He says, I have made a mystic. I thought this was my purpose. I thought this was what I was called to do. I thought I had it going on in Pharaoh's house. I made a mystic. Now I'm in exile. But God appears to him and gives him hope. He calls David from the backside of the desert. I don't know who David is here today. Who it seems like you have been forgotten even by your own family. So when the prophet comes to town, let's anoint the king here. They don't even remember that you exist. But God is a God of hope. Uh, one day, the, having a church meeting, like I'm doing now, preaching a message, maybe not as exciting as this one I'm preaching, and then somebody falls down. Paul's meeting. Young boy dies. Paul goes down, lays hands on him. Acts chapter 20. And the boy is raised back to life. Second Kings chapter 4. The Shunammite woman's son. The prophet lies. He says, look, this, this boy is dead. The prophet shows up. Once they say, let me send my servant, she says, no, I'm not letting go of it. He shows up there, lays upon the boy. The boy is restored back to life. God is a God of hope. Mark chapter 5, a 12-year-old girl, she is dead. Her parents are grieving. Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. He says, Talita kum. And the girl raises back to life. God is a God of hope. Jairus' daughter, Luke chapter 8. The Bible says Jesus shows up and says she's only sleeping. Everyone begins to laugh. He says, send them out of the room. She's raised back to life. What about Lazarus? He'd been in the grave a couple of days and I don't know what has been buried for how long in your life. John 11, 43. When he shows up, they said, if you had been here before he died, maybe. But he says, don't you understand that I am the resurrection and the life. I am a God of hope. And he says to him, Lazarus, come forth. They say he's spelling. They say, don't you understand? Help me tell the person next to you, God is a God of hope. Uh, Jesus is raised back to life. The first thing I believe, to restore hope to mankind. And not, he doesn't just 
resurrect from the dead, he goes around showing everybody. I have a theory that Jesus is dramatic. Because that's high drama. So not only are you raised from the dead, but you show, you just start going around town. And sometimes you walk through a wall. Just so they understand. And you say, touch by it. Jesus got drama. So when they're telling me, you're dramatic, I say, you don't understand. <laughs> but he also not just restores hope to the disciples. Jesus also puts hope in our hearts. Because you know, as Christians, we're looking forward to a resurrection also. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, from verse 12 to 15, Apostle Paul writes to the church, says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, now do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not reason. But if Christ is not reason, then our preaching is empty. Our faith is also empty. Yes, and we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did raise. He did, whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. We look at 17 to 19. It says, and if Christ is not raising your faith, is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen in Christ, have fallen asleep in Christ, have perished. It says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we have all men the most pitiable. I've said it before in church that there are things I look forward to in this life, but the truth is I look forward to that day, you know, when Jesus returns. And I've described how I hope he's in traffic. There's traffic in the bad traffic and we just hear the trumpet and we leave. And now I hope, I really hope, got time for one last Instagram post. Out of here. And if you are reading this, too bad. <laughs> God have mercy on me. Okay. But Jesus is a hope merchant. Because as a young man, you can, or young woman, you can lose hope as you think of the challenges of succeeding in today's world. They say to you, describe your life's purpose in one sentence. You're like, what do you mean by that? As a Nigerian, you can lose hope as you consider all sorts of the degradation of our systems, infrastructure, relative lack of value for human life, trekking to the airport, public holidays, up and down. You just, sometimes you just lose hope. As a Christian, sometimes you could lose hope as you consider just the onslaught of evil in today's world the seemingly unhindered descent of darkness upon the earth today. But God reminds us in Jesus' resurrection, do not give up hope. He says, I am the God of hope. He says in Romans 13, we read, he says, I want you to abound in hope. There is reason to be hopeful because we can start all over again. It doesn't matter who buried what. It doesn't matter how long they buried it. It doesn't matter who they put in front of the grave. Jesus' resurrection reminds us that there is always reason to hope. Will you tell the person next to you, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. And I don't know, I, I don't, sometimes you don't know who you're speaking to in church. Because you're speaking to this person, their wig is all, all fly. 
the cap is on point, the kaftan is all ironed, or you don't know what is happening or concealed under the makeup. So would you look at the person eyeball to eyeball and tell them, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Uh, you have to say this like a preacher. So look at the person next to you and tell them, don't give up hope. Don't, don't give up hope. Jesus rose as an exercise of God's power over death and the grave. Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, We are buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. He says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that were against us, which were contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, and having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. When Jesus is raised from the dead, it's a triumph of God's power over death. It's a triumph of mercy over judgment so that we can start all over again. And for someone in service today, God is saying to you, look, you can start all over again. When Jesus rises from the dead, he goes to offer the sacrifice for us because the price has been paid when he's, you know, he's killed on the cross. But if you read through Hebrews, he begins to explain to us, the writer of Hebrews, that there is an offering that happens. That it's as if the price has been paid, but where is the receipt? That, the, that in, the, in the Old Testament, high priests needed to go make an offering for people once a year. But that we needed a high priest in heaven. I remember in the old days, and I need to say, stop saying this old days thing because I'm not that old. <sighs> but back in the day, you would go to the bank and you want to pay money. And I've deposited a million dollars for Ogachuku, my dear wife. And, and when you were leaving the bank, especially when she told you it's urgent, you said to the cashier, have you posted it? You remember? IBK. <laughs> so now you need to post it now. In these days, you just wait until she's gotten alert. And Jesus needed to register in heaven what had been done on the earth. And no wonder when he shows up in John chapter 20 and verse 17, he says to Mary, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. He says, but Mary, go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Jesus becomes our high priest. So he shows up in heaven with the offering of his blood. Why? was Jesus raised from the dead. This is it for me. Now, we know that Jesus dies for our sins. But Romans chapter 6, verses 4 to 5 say, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So Paul, what are you saying? Paul says, and I think you read Romans chapter 8, he calls Jesus the firstborn among many brethren. So Paul suggests that one of the reasons Jesus rose from the dead is so we could experience something he calls newness of life. That got me thinking this week. Uh, Jesus rose to become the firstborn amongst many brethren. I said, look God, what is, what is this? And he began to explain to me, it, it clicked in my heart, it says, that Jesus essentially became the first of a new race of humankind. I'll explain this. When God creates the first Adam, he takes of the clay, he makes a form. But you and I know that wasn't the man, it wasn't the living man. But the Bible says he breathed into man and man became a living soul. So Adam was literally lifeless. God breathes into him, he becomes a living soul. And then he says to him and the rest of mankind, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, go, go into the world. But we know the story. Man, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. Romans 3 and 23 says this, For all have seen and come short of the glory of God. I love how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, so it is written, verse 45, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, Adam, was a quickening spirit. It's not as complex as it sounds. It means that God does two things when Jesus dies and is raised from the dead. When he dies, he pays the price for all our sin. He pays the price for your sin and for my sin. But he says it is time to start a new race of mankind. And so he raises the second Adam up from the dead by the power of his spirit. The Bible says in Romans that if the same spirit who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells within us, he will quicken our mortal bodies. So the new life in Christ is bigger, I say, than any material blessing that you could ever desire. In fact, let me clarify this. That sometimes what happens at Easter is that we celebrate the forgiveness of sin, but we forget the promise of a new life. So yes, Jesus dies for your sins. The price is paid. But do you remember and have you received the newness of life? Because it is bigger than money. It's bigger than a job. It's bigger than healing. It's bigger than a spouse. It's the biggest breakthrough of all. It's a two-in-one package that we can start all over again. So God doesn't just forgive those who have received Jesus. He gives them the privilege 
to carry the God life. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, I think this kind of puts it together for me. I'll read out of the Ken KJV and then the message translation. It says, but if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in this life through our Lord Jesus Christ. I read the message translation in your hearing. It says, yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death dealing sin. If one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man Jesus Christ will do. There's no comparison between that death dealing sin and this generous life giving gift. The verdict on that one sin was, that, was the death sentence. The verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing. Can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that one man Jesus Christ provides. As we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ on this beautiful Sunday, it we will be amiss if all we do is to say our sins have been forgiven. That's totally true. And you do not know how blessed it makes me feel. If we said to you, take a piece of paper out and write every sin you have ever sinned, you would need extra sheets. Some of you would need books, hard drives, <laughs> offshore, cloud, what else sorts of things? Just I became you would need the whole cloud. <laughs> but you don't know how, how deeply grateful I am that I don't have to pay for my own sin. But God says, son, that's not the whole thing. He says, I didn't just die so that the sins were forgiven. He says, that is the abundant provision of grace. Romans 5 and 17 speaks about but he speaks about the gift of righteousness. The fact that you can essentially follow Jesus in the resurrection. What did I think about this whole thing as it came together during the week? I realized that we have to receive it. The Bible says, for as many as received him, he gave power to become sons of God. The same way you have to receive your forgiveness of sin. It's the same way you have to receive God dwelling within your heart. For me, um, I've been born again now since 95, so that's a couple of years. And I realize that it's more than just a religion. It's, it's more than just a religion. It's more than just an attempt to fill out something. It's not, it's not just a it's not just a head experience. It's me being right with God, but also having God's ability, God dwelling within me to do what is right. To live what God wants me to live, how God wants me to live. So when Jesus is raised from the dead, he didn't come out alone. 
He's raised from the dead. Cynthia was raised from the dead. He's raised from the dead. Bambo is raised from the dead. Tulu is raised from the dead. Okachuku is raised from the dead. The whole band is raised from the dead. When Jesus was raised from the dead. I don't know who. It still feels like you're in the middle of a grave. It might not be a physical one. But you're in a tough place. And you become very good at concealing it. That's fine. You're among friends. But God says, I am your hope. Would you receive hope? Says, I am your lover. Would you receive love? So for me, today, is, it's, a, it's a special day. It's, it's the whole thing about our faith. Paul says, when I showed up, I didn't want to preach anything else. But Christ crucified. He says, because we could preach and talk about a lot of other things. But this is the very foundation of our faith, guys. This is it. So when we go and preach, we don't just preach that Jesus died for you. We say he also rose again for you. No wonder Paul can write very confidently that when any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, that all things pass away and all things become new. It's not just Bible knowledge. It's the truth. Things turn around. We can start all over again. So in the first Adam, my life was traced to sin and the things that have to do with sin, to death, to pain, to sickness, to poverty. To being sad. To being separate from God. To fear, like Koya said in her God experience. To hiding from God. I know what it is to come into God's presence and feel very unworthy. I know what it is to think about heaven and think, I don't think I will make it. But would you receive not just God's forgiveness, but also his life? When I think about today, I realize that this is where my hope is anchored. This is where my hope springs from. That where darkness ends, this is it. And where light begins to shine forth. That a veil has been torn from top to bottom. An empty grave. A finished work. A risen Christ that this is my victory. But this is where the price was paid. My garments have been washed, Bible says, as white as snow. That there was a debt I could not afford. My father's love, my savior's blood, an empty grave, a finished work, a risen Christ. This is our victory. This is where my life now starts. I died in Christ, but now I live. So as Christ was raised, so I am too. How sweet the life. How new the breath. How great the power over sin, over death and the grave. The empty grave, not just the one in Jerusalem, but the one that housed my soul. An empty grave, a finished work. A risen Christ, this is our victory, church. So I live in Christ. I died with him. I live in Christ. I was buried with him, scripture says. I live in Christ. I was resurrected with him. I live in Christ. I'm seated with him. 
we live in Christ. We walk with Him. We conquer with Him. We live in Christ. He lives in us. An empty grave. A finished work. A risen Christ. A risen Idris. A risen IBK. A risen Samuel. A risen Tolu. A risen Damilola. A risen whatsoever your name is. A risen whosoever believes in God. A risen Mac, a risen John, a risen boy, a risen girl. This is our victory. So guys, our victory will never ever be in a political battle. Our victory will not be denominated in Naira, pounds, or gold, or cryptocurrency. Our victory is in the blood of Jesus. I don't know about you, but today of all days, I am filled with hope like never before. I am filled with hope like never before. So as we contemplate the rest of the day, I'd like you to catch yourself smiling. I'd like you to catch yourself worshiping. I'd like you to catch yourself just thanking God. I'd like you to catch yourself in good company, in Abraham's company, in the disciples' company. This is the center of the Christian faith. That if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Psalm says, what is man that you are mindful of him? God's love does not depend on your address. God's love does not depend on where you were born. God's love does not depend on your postal code or the brand of clothes you're wearing. As I prepared for this, I felt that Sometimes we then forget that once we receive that life, that we're able to spread life around. We, we forget it. We get entangled too much with the things happening in the world and we just forget that there is hope, that I'm actually supposed to spread God's hope around. That when men will say that there is a casting down, but I can actually declare that there is a lifting up. Sometimes we forget I don't know if you would help me hold the hand of the person next to you if they are agreeable. And even if they don't agree, just grab the hand. It's resurrection morning. And if you have a prayer language, you pray in tongues, would you just pray over that life? In the name of the Lord Jesus, would you just pray over that life? Would you, because Paul says that there is something called abounding in hope by the Holy Spirit. Would you just pray over that life? Would you pray over that life? And would you say that this life cannot be bound by any grave of any sort? Would you pray over that life and declare that that same power that raised up Jesus from the dead is walking within this life? Would you pray over that life and declare that they will not fail? Would you pray over that life that every sadness, everything that feels like a heavy stone 
an anchor for wickedness, an anchor for desperation within their hearts and their lives. But as a role that way, would you please pray over that life? Would you pray over that life? Would you pray over that life? That as we pray, the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead finds a working over through every aisle, through every row. In a horse's life, would you pray over that life? In Kunle's life, would you pray? Paul says, had they known, they would not have crucified the king of glory. I don't know where that life you are holding has been put, but would you pray over that life? Would you say, Talita come? Would you say, come forth? Whatsoever your name is, wheresoever they put you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, because Jesus has become the firstborn amongst many brethren. Would you call that person amongst Jesus' brethren this morning? Would you declare that that person is abounding in hope? Would you declare they are abounding in life? Jesus says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Would you take another minute and just speak the blessing of hope? The blessing of hope, the blessing of hope, the blessing of hope, the power of God, the newness of life, the newness of life, the newness of life. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.